There's our intro. <laughs> just that. I was just like, and jism. come and jism. Yeah, that's... Oh, you just isolate everything except for me just saying come and jism. <laughs> Uh, that would be actually now we'll, we'll use both of those, stack them up side by side, so it just <laughs> makes it look like put we say it all the time. Yeah, put a, put a come and jism, come and jism, no, put a be- come and jism, be- come and jism, put a beat to it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Autopod Decepticast. This is your weekly podcast that delivers a minute-by-minute breakdown of the 1986 Transformers movie. And this is episode 83. We are in the thick of the credit sequence here. And uh, we're going to be covering the one hour, 22 and one second mark, all the way to the one hour and 23 minute mark. And... uh, Guys, there's no time for a nerdy, nostalgic, frivolous intro. Let's just get right oh. into it. I am your host, Aaron. Oh, I am Ryan. And hi, I'm Caleb. And joining us from the Seattle, Washington area, purveyor of stuff and things that are on his mind every week, a delightful commentator of things happening in pop culture, and a longtime lover of the Transformers brand, Mr. Mike Seibert. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm Mike Seibert. I've seen the movie a bunch. I'm a really nice person. <laughs> Want to hang out in an elevator with me? <laughs> no. oh, I wondered if you were going to, uh, if you'd I, listen to that. Oh, no. Oh, no. How much have you listened to Caleb's uh, various impressions? In well, here? I think it's been quite a bit. I, I'm, I'm picturing, uh, I'm picturing him like from Taxi Driver right now, like, lifting weights, got a mohawk. Yeah. No, I, I have not laughed that hard and that uncontrollably <laughs> since, uh, since the ghost got a job at TJ Maxx. Oh, um, it was just, I mean, it, it was, it was hilarious. Oh, oh, thank God. Yeah, Woo. yeah. glad We're, to be here with you guys again. This possibly is... insulting, but luckily I think we all feel good about <laughs> each other. Or oh, he's just saying that to lure me in I closer know. to TFCon. Yeah. He's going to corner me. We'll know based on his hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, real quickly before we get into it, if you have never listened to the podcast before, stop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin both the image and style that you're oh used to. Oh, my God. We've been reviewing this movie minute by minute since, uh, you guys won't believe this, April of 2017. Mm-hmm. And this is the final minutes of the movie in the form of the credit sequence. And while we believe these are perfectly respectable episodes in the sense that an episode of the show can be respectable. Are they boring? <laughs> we don't know. We implore you to go back to the beginning. This isn't a time-sensitive podcast. We aren't connected to current events or pop culture, really. The only real connection is that we em- that we embrace time is the time in which it passes in this movie. So uh, I implore you to go back to the beginning, begin your minute-by-minute adventure. Episode zero is a great place to start. Yes. Why not? Uh, and rejoin us here at the credits in your own time um and they're already asleep (laughs) (laughs) well you know what though guys i mean a lot of folks have done that like you know our our new friend uh david cabal you know he uh Mm -hmm. he recently found the show and and started back at the beginning and blitzed through it and 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 that was really my experience as well like you guys were like you know 37 episode in in before 
<laughs> God damn it. Okay. That never gets old. It literally <laughs> never gets old. But yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, so I mean, it, it, it happens. And I bet you we're going to find uh, new fans uh, to yes. connect with and they can go back and uh, revisit all of this uh, from Sorry. the beginning. That is the beauty of it is yeah. that it doesn't really date itself that in that way that like uh, except most... when we mention current events. Okay, well, yeah, when except for when that happens. So, um, and uh, while you are listening to this podcast, listener, uh, we the Autopod Decepticast, along with Mike Seibert, are right now we're all in Chicago. We're is doing this right? Uh, is this what? news? Dateline, Transformers. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea. The Autopod Decepticast has news. Let's go to press. This is the this is the Chicago wow. Sunday episode. We uh, today at some point we'll be doing our little mental movie <laughs> moment. Or we've been escorted from the hotel. <laughs> it depends on what our, that elevator activity looks oh, like. <laughs> God damn it! But uh, so so uh, this event that will uh, that event uh, at the TFCon Chicago will be recorded hopefully, <laughs> but uh, and shared on a future broadcast. So right. um, so that's what's happening right now. Now, as you're listening to this, um, it's very windy. Quick, la- yeah, quick, it's windy quick in Chicago. Recap of the last episode here. Um, last time we talked the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yes, we talked the production staff. That's right. We talked the art staff, character, background, storyboard, parting, par- partying. Yes, right. <laughs> All day long. Pardon the pun. We're getting right to the nuts and bolts of who actually did the manual labor of this production. Uh, basically, the things we see and hear on screen. And uh, we've kind of divided up duties as to, you know, section by section here. And right as we kick off the top of this minute, Ryan has mm-hmm. information that I think he'd like to share about the supervising animation director. Get I, right into it. Absolutely. Um, uh, Kozo Morishita. Uh, is the supervising animation director. First impression after Googling him is that he is like quite the silver fox. I mean, I, Mike, you can't see this, but like look he's, at this fucking yeah, kicky scarf, scarf he's got on. It's so, He's very handsome. It right? is. Handsome and hipster. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, he joined Toei Animation in 1970. Um, and Toei, for just a, a, I know a bunch of us have a bunch, like some stuff on that. Go just a, a brief overview. Uh, received outsourcing from just about every 1980s cartoon you can think of. Uh, abruptly stopped the practice in 1989. Nobody seems to understand why, except Toei is insular and weird. Um so uh, Kozo was mostly a director early on. He w- then started working on the Transformers series. Um, and then after that, almost all his 90s work was on Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. And a lot of Fist of the North Star work in the recent years, um, which my only exposure to that is the fucking terrible 1987 NES game. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't that a video game? <laughs> it is a video game. Okay. It's not good. His wife, his, the, gu- the character's walk cycle in that looks like he's prairie dogging a turd. <laughs> Thank you. We'll put a YouTube on for that one. Absolutely. One. Uh, but uh, in, the, in the genre of video games, speaking of, he was also the animation staff producer of the 1995 SNES game Chrono Trigger, which is oh, like yeah. a low-key, very yeah. popular game. Familiar with Chrono Trigger. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's RPG. Sorry, Mike, we thought you had something to say for a second, <laughs> so we all stopped talking. Nope, sorry, I, I was I was acknowledging that. Because, <laughs> oh. yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I loves me some Chrono Trigger. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I never played it. It is difficult to get your hands on nowadays. 
All right. Well, we'll try for your birthday. Perhaps so Ryan is a collector of video games. If any listener would like to just approach Ryan with an old video game. You will take it. You just sidle up to me and just hand it to me silently. I will take it. You no can worries. also hand me cash or dirty panties. Don't just make no eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Say nothing. <laughs> Don't touch me. I'll touch you. That's right. All right. That's uh, not good. But uh, moving on to the next. Are you, are you done with uh, the... the only other thing I was oh. going to talk about, the animation directors, which is uh, the, the section right after that. Um, and here's where we finally get to the old white dudes, um, which is uh, John Patrick Freeman, who was uh, born in 1916 and lived to wow. 2010. He was 94 when he died. And this is what I was talking about in our last episode. Ryan's always amazed at people living past like 50 years old, usually. Well, I, I don't have any plans. I know. Yeah. Um, he was a character animator and story man who worked at Walt Disney at the age of 22 and won a, a Golden Globe in 1992 um, from the Motion Picture Screen uh, Cartoonist Animation Guild. And he basically worked for Hanna-Barbera, Marvel Productions, uh, a bunch of like he worked on Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, G.I. Joe, Jim and Humanoids, My Little Pony. Just uh, again, this all—they're all interrelated. Like in the '80s, it seems like everything came to a hub where everybody started working together in animation. Uh, moving to the next guy, Norm McCabe, an another old dude, 1911 to 2006. He was 94. Wow. And I'm like, does Transformers Extend impart some kind of like uh, elixir? It's the Autobot essence. It is the Autobot <laughs> essence. Yeah. Um, it, oh, the Autobot. Yes. Uh, he worked on uh, Pink Panther, The Bear Who Slept Through Christmas. Does anybody remember that short? Nope. That was 1973. Well, was... Why would I remember that? <laughs> well, I remember it. Oh. Mike, do you remember that? No clue. <laughs> that's, <laughs> a, that's a blank spot for me. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, this starred Theodore Edward Bear. T Ted E Bear, oh, oh, and uh, it, there was it was basically a bear who woke up during hibernation and went to explore Christmas, and oh. I had a scratch and sniff book attached to this. <laughs> Yeah, I remember specifically it had a, choc a hot chocolate I'm going to scratch or I'm going to not scratch nor sniff anything that you own. I'm going to make a scratch sniff book and it's all just, oh, it's just called taint. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. That's Moving disgusting. On. Gerald Moeller. Nothing interesting about this dude. Moving on. Bob Matz lived 1912 to 2003. 91 years old. Okay, I want to play a game with you guys real quick. Boy. This is called, he worked on shorts like starting in 1956. This is Bob Matz you're talking about. Bob Matz. Okay. Um, and I want to play a game called, is this a real short or is this porn? Okay, and so you want us to all uh, answer, like Aaron will answer, Michael will answer, I answer. Yes. Kennedy. Okay. All right. Uh, the first one is Nuts and Volts. Aaron. I'm going to go short. Mike. Short. I'm going to go short. You're all right. It was a short in 1964. Well done. Okay. Uh, the second one is Tease for Two. Tease for Two. I'm going to go short. Mike. Porn. Porn. It was a short in 1965. Oh. Fuck. <laughs> Got you guys by one. Aaron this game was sweating sucks. That one, though. I saw he was like, he was just... <laughs> sweating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the third one is, and you might know about this already. I don't, well, I kind of just gave it away, but <laughs> Lemon Party. Oh I don't man! Know that you did and <laughs> short. I'm going short as well. <laughs> Caleb, come on, Caleb! It's your chance. Porn. It is porn. Yes. 
God it damn is it. old men fucking. Never have I been more happier that I'm right about something that's so disgusting. Yeah, it is a big like uh, apparently uh, something I've missed out on that is a bu- like a, an internet thing where it's like it's just a bunch of old, uh, real old dudes boning each oh other. No, oh god, lemon party. <laughs> yeah, right. look that up at work. Nope. Um, okay, n- the, number four, space nuts. Oh, we're still going. Okay, space nuts. We have we have four more. <laughs> no, let's okay. get through these in. Uh, so, uh, porn. Short. Short. It is porn starring Stormy <laughs> Daniels and Evan Stone. Oh, very timely. Are we keeping topical. score? Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Number five, Pink Paradise. Porn. That's a short. Porn. It is a short. <laughs> Points <laughs> to Mike, 1967. I believe it's a Pink Panther related one. Okay. Uh, swing, ding, amigo. <laughs> uh, that feels just uh, possibly racist sounding to be a short from like the 50s. <laughs> I'm going to go short. I'm going to go porn. I'm, I'm going to go with Aaron here and say it's a, it's a racist short. <laughs> it is a racist short from 1966. Not that porn can't be racist. No, it is absolutely, because our next one is Feeling Black. Oh, no. No. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to go porn. Short. Short. It is porn from 2003. That is. I was hoping so much it wasn't porn that I just. Thank you all for playing with this Uh, terrible game. I I I don't feel well after that game. (laughs) These are these are the kind of games we'll be playing with the audience. (laughs) TFCon. Right now. Right now. As you're listening to this. (laughs) All right, our final uh, uh, person here is uh, Margaret Nichols. Which holy shit, a fucking woman! Hooray. Uh, she uh, died in 2012. <laughs> Hooray! Wait a minute, you're, but you're, she's you're saying it's, a, it's. I'm not saying it's good she died. I'm saying, no. oh, a woman yeah, on staff. Thank God. Yeah, there's yes. finally a woman on staff. She started her career in 1959 with Sleeping Beauty. Um, she did Gumby, Speed Buggy, Super Friends. Uh, again, Christmas Comes to Pac-Land, the Pac-Man series, Jayo, Jim, Muppet Babies, Super and Roger Rabbit, X-Men, Tick, Black Cauldron, and, and Little Mermaid. And Lemon Party. Absolutely. Uh, no, there are no women. As a camera. There are no women right, that's in right. Lemon Party. Apologies. She, apologies. Uh, she was the character key developer in, in Little Mermaid, which I looked up but can't figure out what that is. Uh, we get into key development uh, this minute, I believe. All right. And that's yeah. all I have for, the, I uh, for our, uh, our, our animation directors. Okay. <laughs> does everybody feel disgusting? That was a, a great... It, it, that is uh, funny how shorts can just... You can translate it in any I spent too much time doing this and <laughs> ran that that list by my girlfriend, who uh, was actually way better than you guys at it. Oh, I'm wow. sure. So uh, the next section that we st- really start to get into is around story consulting and uh, various production roles... And Mike got the privilege of handling this section. Do you feel good about that, Mike? Oh, sure. I mean, you know, it, it was funny because, like, uh, this uh, section of the credits, um, there's a lot of these titles that I had no idea what they were. So I, I actually kind of had more fun looking into what these roles actually are and what they contribute to i think maybe mm-hmm. even more so than some of the uh some of the folks but uh for me starting off i have uh associate story consultants and these are basically writers uh mm-hmm. first is uh Doug Booth he um he's known for working on uh you know we're playing the hits here transformers gi joe teenage mutant ninja turtles conan the Avengers. Um, all as a writer. 
So, you know, he's uh, he's got a couple uh, producer creds uh, mm-hmm. as an associate producer on a whole mess of G.I. Joe. Again, a bunch of uh, Conan. Um, yeah, just a, just a lot of 80s cartoons. As near as I could tell, he's uh, he's still with us, but hasn't mm-hmm. done anything since about 2007. So um, I mean, these people are allowed to retire. It's true. Like, that's why a lot of, I was looking at the IMDb of a lot of these people. And I'm like, oh, you have a word for 10 oh you're 90 years old that's why you retired in 1995 yeah the the last thing doug booth worked on was something called the school for vampires it was a tv series ran for 11 episodes back in 2007 um also on that uh, bill of associate story consultants is uh somebody named uh roger slifer um, and he, uh, same thing, did a, a wrote a whole bunch of Transformers, uh, was a co-producer on the RoboCop TV series uh, back in 1988. Uh, that that would be the cartoon, not that shitty live action, um, action time, whatever the hell it was. Uh, did a lot of My Little Pony. Um, sadly, Roger is no longer with us. He passed away in March of 2015 at the age of 60. But uh, Roger's claim to fame is that he is the uh, co-creator of the DC Comics character Lobo. Um, Are any of you guys familiar with Lobo? I am vaguely. He's basically kind of like the uh, giant, pale, Lemmy Killmeister-looking bounty hunter-type dude. He's all... yeah, sort all, of a I, Deadpool-esque yeah. character, but more more like uh, kind of tough guy-ish, less funny guy-ish. But it was violent. It was a violent comic. Yeah, it, it was violent, irreverent, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I'd have to uh, really give it some thought, but I think Lobo really was one of the first characters to irreverently break the fourth wall and talk to the audience. Like, I have a uh, a Lobo comic from, like, 1994. It's an issue number one, and everything was all, like, chromium covers and stuff like that. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it's, I bet that's worth nothing. Oh, yeah. it's I, I thought I was going to pay for college with, uh, with <laughs> yeah, these. Exactly. But I it's... I, have, uh, I actually have that one. It, it, so, I, I've used it as wallpaper. <laughs> yeah. So Lobo has a chromium-enhanced uh, zipper on his front air and he's like, I, I I got your cover enhancement right here. So that's nice. that's kind of that's kind of Lobo in a nutshell. But yeah, uh, Roger Slifer, uh, co-creator of Lobo and story consultant, uh, associate story consultant on uh, Transformers the movie. We move on to uh, production secretaries. Now uh, Ryan was talking about uh, uh, some ladies. We got a trio of ladies. Uh, we got uh, Joyce Masterson, Joy, uh, Joan Davis, and uh, Debbie Lairhoff. And a production secretary is basically. Um, uh, let's see uh, this is more than a traditional secretarial role it could be less depending upon the production and the company you're working for so it's more or less <laughs> more or less yeah see I, I was like reading that I'm like is that right it's like no <laughs> just read the copy as I wrote it <laughs> Ron Burgundy come on uh, the the uh, production secretary is responsible for production paperwork such as typing and filing contracts letters documents and script changes and photocopying faxing uh, documents as uh, as required. Um, so yeah, basically for all three of these ladies, their only uh. credit on IMDB is Transformers the movie. Oh, um, interesting. And uh, well, actually, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Joan Davis also worked on My Little Pony the movie. Uh, but yeah, this was like their only uh, uh, their only thing. 
next up are a couple uh, translators. And you know what? I I didn't go through the the amount of drilling and practicing and all that on the pronunciation. So uh, I. You did, Ryan. So that's okay. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm not even going to try it. But basically, what a, uh, a translator does in a movie, there are only two credited translators. Uh, there are different categories for what uh, constitutes as translation. There's uh, translating written materials, including scripts and articles uh, needed to support the film production. And then there's also dubbing and the creation of subtitles, uh, which could be in several sure. different languages of the film, um, as well as working on uh, marketing materials and uh, these uh, two ladies uh, 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 Mitsuko uh, Hayes and Emi Akari um, it's uh, the same thing they they worked on Transformers the movie and uh, there's uh, some season three uh, credits and they're um, they're credited as production assistants uh, within the context of the TV show. So um, I guess maybe that's a movie to TV type of thing. I don't know. Uh, next up is account supervisor. That was uh, Alpha Tate, uh, who also worked on you guessed it, My Little Pony the movie, and a. Um, an account supervisor uh, basically oversees uh, corporate client accounts. Uh, uh, it's middle management, basically, um, and it's a job title that's common in advertising and media relations uh, businesses. Um, so it, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's an account supervisor, just like at, at regular people's offices. Uh, let's move on to publicists. There were two of them, uh, Ellen Croner and Deborah L. Green. And, um, and again, it's, it's, it's the same thing. Um, you know, Ellen Croner worked on My Little Pony, the movie, and as well as something called a TV series called The Lot, uh, from, hmm. um, 2001 it looks like uh the show opens with a gossip of the day yeah i don't know it, it i don't even know what this is but <laughs> we're just gonna move on from that you, you ever find yourself like okay right i feel i feel like publicist is the stereotypical role of every female character of every of, of every of moment, movie of every romantic comedy yes set oh in yeah like 1998 to 2000 oh it's like putting a man into like advertising <laughs> Yeah, it, it's definitely a uh, movie job, you know, meaning like somebody yeah. that works in a movie has, you know, like, like a job Jennifer Lopez's character would have or some some such like that. Exactly. Uh, but or yeah, Jennifer Aniston. Sure. No, Jennifer all, the Jennifers. all the Jennifers. <laughs> all the Jennifer Jennifers. Lopez. Jennifer Jason Lee. Uh, but yeah, publicists generate detailed publicity campaigns, uh, which uh, pitch and position films for the media and in turn for the public. They create press kits, uh, usually include film synopses, uh, production notes, cast and crew credits and biographies, stills and, of course, the electronic press kit. Um, I It would be interesting to kind of get uh, get hands on, uh, you know, kind of like a press kit for what this movie looks Very. like. Cause, oh, yeah. Because, I mean, like, how, how do you sell this? It's like, you know, it's it's a movie based upon a kid's cartoon that we're really kind of trying to position uh, not for kids. So it's it's kind hey, of... Hey, kids, would you like to cry? We have the movie for you. Here's a picture of Optimus Prime turning gray. The press kit is just a box of tissues. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> yes. It's... it's, it's Absolutely. Oh, my God. Uh, love it. 
So yeah, so let's uh, let's move on. We're getting into the editing department, starting with uh, uh, supervising film editor Stephen C. Brown. Uh, the supervising film editor is hired toward the latter part of principal photography in most cases. Uh, the supervising editor is the first point of contact between the director, producers, and the larger editing staff. So What a nightmare that position must be. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, so it's very much like a middle management type of thing. Um, so they're, they're not the actual film editor. They're the person that works with everybody from like the, the director Ugh. to the producers and, uh, and all of that. So, um, Stephen C. Brown, uh, who was the, um, uh, assistant film editor on Transformers, the movie, he's known for his work on, uh, uh, Dino Riders and Muppet Babies yeah. did, uh, did, uh, did a lot of eighties cartoons, uh, as well as some fantasy Island. Um, and as near as I could tell, he's still with us, but, who could who could be certain? <laughs> so Stephen Brown's a pretty generic name to try to find, pin down. Exactly. Yeah, I I kind of stuck to the IMDb, but he uh, yep. he basically has um, a whole mess of editor credits as well as supervising editor credits. So I think it's one of those things that kind of uh, uh, kind of goes in hand there. One of those uh, one of those types of uh, positions. So um, so let's move on to um, assistant supervisor colon post production. And uh, the person that worked on that for Transformers, the movie is somebody named Larry Wheeland. Oh, God damn it. You, you, hate, you know, like when you go to IMDb and you get like pop up ads, I got like this yeah. full page file. Fucking Venom ad coming out. I, I know. Fucking Venom I right did now. a bunch of research this week, and every time I went to a new page, I got Venom licking my fi- my fucking screen. <laughs> and you know, I uh, um, don't want to go tangents within tangents, but I don't need a Venom movie with no Spider Man in it. About as much as I need a Joker movie with no Batman in it. You can keep all that shit. I just I don't <laughs> I don't need any of it. Um, I that, knew that was. Because while mowing the lawn yesterday, I listened to your uh, Predator RoboCop, uh, I guess, Venom episode. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So I know, what, I, know, I know your take on all this. Yeah. <laughs> We're up to speed. <laughs> Keep it in its fucking ear. And, and why does Tom Hardy have to do a goofy voice in every movie he's in? I, I don't get it. But uh, sorry, we're not talking about Tom Hardy. We're talking about Larry Wheeland, who, uh, <laughs> wouldn't you know it, as a, as a supervising editor, has a whole lot of 80s cartoon credits, including sure. in Humanoids, Milo Pony and Friends, uh, uh, G.I. Joe. Hasbro properties were very, there's a lot of overlap. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, that it seems insular, that. like just a bunch of people rotating around that orbit. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so moving on, next credit is uh, film editor, and this is—it's funny. I found this little write-up about like what what the film editor does, and it says. Um, uh, on its most fundamental level, film editing is the art, technique, and practice of assembling shots into a coherent sequence. The job of an editor is not to simply mechanically put pieces of a film together, cut off films, uh, film slates, or edit dialogue scenes. 
Um, so yeah, basically they 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 David David Hankins was the one that did the cutting, the uh, the mm-hmm. actual uh, cutting and assembly. So he's um he's got and never a- say to these guys, oh, you're just an editor. <laughs> no way. They'll take it really personally. Yeah, and they'll like they'll screw up whatever you're doing for them. <laughs> <laughs> So and you know doing uh doing editing ourselves it's like you know what there's uh there's a lot that goes into it it's not just a uh, hacking and slashing uh for sure but but David Hankins Maybe when you do it our editor's a little different. Mm, I'm blackout drunk when I do it. <laughs> and then I get texts about what I have to take out. <laughs> I should try that. That sounds awesome. Because <laughs> usually I try editing after I've worked for eight hours and don't want yeah. to look at audio anymore. Um, yes, yes. But, uh, but no, uh, David Hankins is known for Gross Point Blank, Miss Congeniality, Two Weeks Notice, and Euro Trip. Euro Trip. Nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, oh, he did uh, some uh, Red Shoe Diaries back in the day. Um, oh, David Duchovny. Yeah, man. <laughs> God damn it. I uh, I may or may not have watched way too much Red Shoe Diaries uh, back in the day. There. Oh, there was one. Oh God, I'm just I, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. But mm. Lieutenant Yar from Star Trek. She had a Red Shoe Diaries episode. Denise Crosby. That, yeah, that's right. Thank you. Well, and and a very young uh, Matt LeBlanc was in one of those also. Uh, yeah, you know we could talk about Red Shoe Diaries all day. All day. Red Shoe Diaries was a it was a softcore porn thing on Show. I think Showtime, HBO, okay. or Cinemax. Sorry, HBO. Oh, HBO! <laughs> Basically, it was David Duchovny. He was the host, and then he would introduce. He read these. He read letters from people who yeah. would tell him about sexy stuff, and then oh, he'd weird. see the sexy stuff. So, That's so weird. it and was he had a dog. It was. It was in. In like he would hang out by like this, you know, warm hearthy fire thing. You have like this big velvety chair and stuff like that. It was great. It's like so. It was, it was great. It, it was kind of like was he like. Famous? What? Was this he was, famous, I David Duchovny? No. No, this this is like I'd say a hot what five six seven years before X Files. It was right. Wow. I think it was right before X Files. Yeah. No, he's saying it was like five or six years before X Files. Well, I don't know. I don't have the information in front. Whatever, of me. Uh, bring me. No, <laughs> maybe we should. This is not the the the. Oh, our next project, Red Shoe Diaries. Yeah, sounds like After Dark project. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. It's gonna be uh, APDC After Dark colon Red Shoe Diaries. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. All no. Right. No. Uh, ran from 1993 to 1996. Uh, BT Dubs. Oh. Next up is the uh, supervising music editor, uh, somebody named uh, Mark Shiny, who again is known for all of the 80s cartoons that we already talked about, uh, but also including a uh, real. Ghostbusters and Pirates of Dark Water and Defenders oh. of the Earth. Um, let me I see. Love Ghostbusters just on a- absolutely. <laughs> it was a great show. Now, what real Ghostbusters or that shitty uh, uh, Ghostbusters? The fake show? Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. The, the the not real uh. Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's uh, that's some bullshit there. Um, let's see. Uh, moving on. Bah, 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 bah. Let's get into uh, music editor. Uh, that was uh, Peter Collier again. Big TV guy. Tom and Jerry kids show. Uh, more Pirates of Dark Water, Smurfs, Defenders of the Earth, uh, more My Little Pony and Friends, a 
whole mess of Transformers. Yeah, I mean that that's what we're gonna see on and on throughout these uh throughout the rest of these credits. There's a mm-hmm. lot and, and it's kind of weird because obviously a lot of these folks were doing double duty working on the movie as they were working on the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, so the the uh next one was uh Robert Randalls. He's credited as a music editor, uh, but he has a comma S M E after his name. Yeah. And uh what does that what does that mean? As near as I could tell, it's a supervising music editor. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh because if you try to, you know, like I put in his name and yeah, it's don't well, then he's competing with Mark Shinney. One. Right. And maybe oh there can only be one type of situation. <laughs> Highlander and, rules. And uh and uh well, I don't know. And and it's bizarre because I I would imagine that that uh uh Peter Collier is probably like the head of the music editors. Maybe? Well, uh, cuz he's credited first. Cuz then it's Ron mm-hmm. uh, Robert Randall's comma SME. Um, so it's a it's it's a riddle wrapped in an enigma. But uh, <laughs> but this guy, see, I don't know. He uh, he is known for his work on the talented Mr. Ripley, the Terminator um, seven and more. Uh, so he's got a he's got more uh, movie uh, credits. Yeah. Um, Traditional oh, film did animation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's yeah. Scrolling all through this, it's almost exclusively movies. This guy's. Uh, I think we in or at least in my portion we have our first movie guy and not our first cartoon guy because he's uh he's done music consulting, music editing, uh supervising music editor. So, um I don't know, I, if I were him, I would be kind of mad if I'm credited middle in three guys. Um and the third guy was uh Robert Mayer and this dude's a uh a TV guy. You know, a 6 million dollar man. Um um, Knots Landing, Fame the oh, TV Knots series. Landing. <laughs> so, um, Emergency Exclamation Point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, let's move on. Uh, next credit is a supervising sound effects editor. That is a uh, guy named uh, Brian uh, uh, Corsier. Um and yeah, uh, again, more of the same. Uh, he's a sound editor, dubbing supervisor. Uh, worked on, oh, he worked on the day after in 1983. But no, it's oh. it, it's a lot of like. Uh, um, actually, he doesn't have a robust IMDb. I I'm thinking this guy might be dead. His uh <laughs> his last credit was uh uh the Jigsaw Murders in 1989. I don't know what that is. Sure. Um, <laughs> or <laughs> retired. <laughs> I don't think the, the I don't think you actually retire from working on Transformers the movie. I think the only way you get out is uh by you being die. dead. Okay. I think so. Right. Um let's see. I don't so. know what that means for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, how much longer do I have to live? <laughs> <laughs> so um there are two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, thirteen different sound editors. Uh, going very briefly, I'm not going to name them all by name because time is not on our side, but um, again, it's it's the same refrain over and over. A lot of um, a lot of TV, a lot of Hasbro TV. Um, so apologies to all of them and their families because they 
they get the, <laughs> they they get the short shrift because they because we gotta keep moving. Um, let's uh, let's move on to uh, dialogue editor. Uh, that was uh, Jerry Jacobson and uh, big okay. movie guy. Um, worked on Demolition Man, uh, Phoenix, <laughs> uh, Altered States, Alien Three, uh, Maverick. Um, also did some um, uh, TV. Uh, scrolling through it very briefly, like you know, you got like uh, Twenty One Jump Street, uh, Hunter, things like that. So this is actually like Hunter. Yeah, Hunter, baby. Wow, I haven't <laughs> thought about that in forever. <laughs> Does anyone remember that yes, show? Yes, I, I love do. that show. We uh, we have a um, you know how like your your um, uh, TV channels will have like their HD channel where it'll be kind of like sure. the you know like your Me TVs or My TV or you know whatevers. We uh, we have a we have a network on one of those called H and I Heroes and Icons, and they oh, show, and oh they, that sounds amazing. It, it's oh it's I mean I mean they like. All the jag you could ever want, um, all the hunter you would ever want. Uh, you want to sit down and watch NYPD Blue all ding dong day? They got you covered. Um, and they uh, they do a lot of uh, they they uh, every weeknight they have a block of uh, Star Trek episodes, one from nice. each series. So it's it's uh, it's pretty cool. Um, and none of that has to do with Jerry Jacobson and his uh, dialogue of editing. Course. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I derailed it for thank that. Thank you. Uh, next up was a re-recording that was done by Todd Ow and Glenn Glenn uh, Studios. Um, that was a uh, – they, they were two separate studios – at one point that combined it in to be one uh, one super studio. Um, uh, it looks like uh, Todd Ow and Glenn Glenn merged in 1986, uh, right about the time during the production of the movie. Um, I had uh, I had a little more material on that, but we're just uh, we're just gonna skip through that. Um, well, I guess one question I have is, what's the difference between what happens here at Glenn Glenn and uh, and what happens at Wally Burr? Is it is it that Wally Burr just records, I guess, the actors and then ships those recordings over to Glenn Glenn, I think maybe who that's does where they the put, assembly of all the audio? Well, then? that and maybe they put the effects on it. Yeah, so Glenn Glenn is kind of like the clearinghouse for where everything kind of comes together. So, right. uh, you know, between uh, the sound effects, the dialogue, and um, and all, actually, no, I, I'm sorry, I, I misspoke because Glenn Glenn was in charge of uh, re-recording and the re-recording mixing team, and that's that's basically dubbing. So that that works with you know um, uh, dialogue, sound effects, and uh, mixes them all together. Basically, exactly what we all said. It's like basically this does the uh, final mix of putting everything together into what we would know as the cohesive soundtrack. So Wally Burr was in charge of, you know, dialogue and uh, uh, voice direction and things like that. Eventually he would take his parts and ship them along with every other departments where it would be um, assembled at, uh, at Todd Al Glenn Glenn uh, that basically... Um, that makes sense. So it basically remastered here to like sound right with everything else. Exactly, and that gets and flow in, and and, <laughs> and and that gets into uh, the re-recording mixers and uh, 
it's an audio engineering. They take recorded dialogue, sound effects, and music. Again, making the uh, the final soundtrack. Um, uh, pre-dubbing is the uh, process of mixing sound elements so that the final mix leaves less um, less work by creating stems of dialogue, music, and sound effects. So. Uh, re-recording mixers, Bill Thiederman worked on Transformers the movie, as well as Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Major League, and Doogie Howser, M.D. I love that show. <laughs> I started watching that on Hulu again recently. I never watched it from beginning to end. I think I saw a I couple episodes growing up, it. but I didn't, like, oh, so good. tune in. Mm-hmm. I should, but I did listen to an interview with uh, Neil Patrick Harris on, like, Mark Maron or something. NBH. Yeah, it was good. Again, the re-recording mixers. These are these are all movie guys. So uh, uh, Howard uh, Wilmarth uh, worked on The People Under the Stairs, Transformers the Movie, Child's Play Three, and something called Ghost Warrior in the uh, in the uh, uh, sound department. His last credit was uh, The Crow, City of Angels in 1996. Ah, gross. Yeah. <laughs> Never saw that one. You're Don't. O- you're okay. Uh, stay away from <laughs> candles. Um, let's see. So, uh, and the last guy on that was uh, Peter Reel. Uh, also worked in the sound department as a re-recording mixer. Um, I kind of talked about that earlier. Did some TV like Six Feet Under, uh, but also worked on The Nutty Professor, People Under the Stairs, and You, Me, and Dupree. That movie sucks as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, you, you put you get. Uh, Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson in the same room, and I am just vomiting violently. I just, I, I can't, I can't with that. Um, uh, the machine room operator, uh, for Transformers the movie was uh, Samuel L. Kaufman, and basically what the machine room operator does is they, well, they operate the machine room. No, it, so we're in the editing category and the audio editing. So basically, this is the guy that runs the tape decks, you know, okay. and and you know, uh, reel to reel, and all of the other. Uh, technologies at the time um, worked on Dick Tracy, uh, Meet Joe Black, Spawn. That movie sucks. And uh, <laughs> speaking of movies who suck, yeah, you know this what? This is the run through. I, I I feel the compulsion to end almost all of these with that movie sucks. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, and I will say Dick Tracy. I I feel like probably it is also looked at as a movie that sucks, but but uh, but I, that's one of the first movies I remember as a kid mm-hmm. that had this like fully integrated marketing campaign that was just in. You could not go anywhere oh, without like being exposed to some and, type of uh, Dick Tracy graphics or yeah. audio visual like. Uh, but uh, and I remember being like so hyped. I I wanted to see that movie so badly, and when I finally saw it, and Madonna's I, age, in it. I was just not. What I don't. I remember it not striking me as very entertaining. It's but. one of those movies that involves a bunch of talented people. That it, the movie is fucking terrible. I wonder if you make that movie today with that exact same aesthetic, meaning like the 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 striking primary colors, and mm-hmm. I mean this is really kind of like a a Marvel movie before it was cool. You know, well, I mean, and it's a little pre Sin City. Yeah, where yeah, it's kind yeah. Of I was going to say, say, I was going to make that connection, with right? Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I, 
I I haven't I haven't watched it in 20 years, but I I'm afraid it doesn't hold up. But I keep thinking that like uh, conceptually, there's some meat on that bone. At least as a concept, it sounds cool. Yeah, I I wonder how much of that blame uh, lays at Warren Beatty's feet because I mean he he was yeah. a notorious raging asshole about it because you know he stars in it, he's directing it, and yeah. Let's just lay it all there. Yeah, it's like all his fault. There. It's sorry, all his fault. Sorry to derail us on the Dick Tracy train. Um, uh, the the last thing I mentioned, or, or I'm sorry, the last thing that I had uh, jumping ahead was uh, I had a main title design. Uh, there were two people that worked on the main titles. Uh, one being uh, Bill Miller, and the other being uh, Dina Burkett. And mm-hmm. both of uh, both of them worked on Tron and Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Oh, and nice. and. I, I kind of see sense. and I see some connective tissue there at least uh, uh, visually yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah so and it, it was weird because like uh, Bill Miller has way more uh, TV credits um, you know worked on uh, uh, X-Files 90210 uh, NCIS Castle all over the road whereas uh, Dina uh, Dina Burkett has more uh, movie credits so oh, it's so and and both of them worked on gi joe the movie uh by mm-hmm. the way um and i think that's the first instance of that uh crossover at least in my credits um but yeah i mean it's i mean that that title sequence borrows from everything but it it's fucking rad so it, yeah. it's, absolutely so Do yes they work together as part like at, at part of a studio or something like that i guess we don't really know based on how they've uh, yeah there's done the credits here there's there's not enough information that i found at least to substantiate that but i would imagine in my imagination that's what it was it's like you know somebody from like a tv side and somebody from a movie side um, kind of, kind of collaborated and worked on it. Or maybe, maybe it's not that romantic, and maybe they just split up parts. Like you know, I'm, I'm gonna work on going into the O, and you can work on the, uh, on the, on the Superman style credits or, right. or whatever's. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, the only folks that that uh, I jumped over were the pre-dub mixers, the dubbing supervisor, and negative cutting. Um, and we we talked about that. That's all, you know, having to do with uh, with the audios. And um, that's all I got. Awesome. Well, thank you for looking into that. That takes us to a very cute. A very cute logo here. Yes, uh, mm, a, a cat in a, in a almost I don't know three musketeers well, I hat. Kalen, I can tell you all about that cat. Oh my goodness, to me it um, looks like a pumpkin. So that is the uh, logo for Toei uh, Toei Animation. That is Pero. They call him Pero, and that is uh, a, a character from the company's 1969 film Puss in Boots. So uh, Toei. Toei uh, Animation is a Japanese animation studio uh, founded in 1948, and it is a division of the Greater Toei Company Limited, which is a Japanese film, television, production, distribution corporation. Based in Tokyo, Toei owns and operates 34 movie theaters across Japan, (laughs) studios at Tokyo and Kyoto, and... um, is a shareholder in multiple television companies. It's got anime, it's got live action dramas known as Tokusatsu, which uses special visual effects and, and does historical dramas. Um, it's big. It's one of the Jap- Japan's. Uh, it's one of Japan's big four film studios. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think Toei's animation uh, bread and butter these days is Dragon Ball Z. Yes. Seems to be the, the heavy hitter for them. Like as we could, uh, you know, Kozo uh, Morishita. Yeah. Uh, Sailor Moon, Digim uh, I think Digimon. Um, so there is actually a Toei Animation Museum that opened this summer in Tokyo oh, wow. that you can go to. Um, God, I want to go to Tokyo. And, oh, no, I, I want to go to Japan. I would love to go to Japan. I just want to hang out in Japan. Um, Toei um, was a pioneer in the use of Henshin, which is uh, translated character transformation, which is uh, in live-action martial arts dramas a technique developed uh, where you um, essentially – it's a subtrope of the superhero. I just found this in this is the short rabbit hole I have, and then I'm pretty much done. But it's a subtrope <laughs> of the superhero in which the superpowered characters only have their superpowers some of the time. Uh, a Henshin hero is distinct. Um, uh, I, I, Power Rangers is a good example. Uh, and then uh, also uh, Henshin is um, where they have a secret identity, and then uh, they will transform. Like Shazam. They do a costume change in the live animation, mm -hmm. or not animation, in the live film sequence. It's part of their sequence to do that. So uh, I just found that interesting. Um, Henshin, um, they are kind of known for helping start that. Oh. You, you know what, um, what's, go ahead. what's also interesting about that is uh, anybody that's watched any of the Japanese uh, Transformers cartoons, whenever somebody yes. goes to transform, that's what they, Henshin! And, you know, that, so yeah. it, it, it's kind of cool to hear some more history about that because I, I just assumed that Henshin was just a translation for transform, but I had no idea that there was any kind of like uh, a genre lore behind right. it. That's, that's really, it, really cool. It, it literally means change body. Huh. And it's practically translated as transformation or metamorphosis. Um, so I, it's a big part of, I think, Japanese culture, at least in, the, in, in popular storytelling, where there is a transformation that takes place. Mm -hmm. so. They do seem, that, that does seem to be a theme with uh, Japanese um, uh, art. And like cartoons where it's right. like something becomes something else and like you build upon and you build upon and you build upon. That's right. That's right. That is all I really have to say about Toei. Oh, now we all are going to awesome. have to, the, the four of us are going to have to get together and go to Japan here one of these days. Absolutely. We'll no, go to the Toei. You know, my mom was born in Animation Japan. Museum. What? My mother was born in Japan. That would explain why she's Japanese looking, right? <laughs> it's not. No, she's not Japanese. No. My, my grandfather was in the Navy, and she was born in Yokohama gotcha. on, a, on a, a Navy base. Okay. That connects to nothing. <laughs> and uh, that makes you, does that make you half Japanese? Nope. Okay. <laughs> so uh, let's go right into the associate producers here on behalf of Toei Animation. And I know I can't pronounce that right, but I think I'm better with names. Masaharu Ito and Tamo Fukumoto, the associate producers in general. The producer's job is to kind of plan and manage the budget. Um, Lack the resource, resources needed to get the film produced, scheduling, budget operations, communication among the artists, directors, crew, editors. They're basically accountable to getting everything done that we see on the screen. And both of these gentlemen uh, worked on many animation projects in uh, Japan, including working together on, uh, I don't know what this is, but they both worked on it, so I thought it was worth noting, mm -hmm. Pyon Pyon Maru from 1967 to oh. 1970. I did not follow up on that. Oh, 
great. <laughs> we have no idea what that is. But it wasn't. I found it to be an early credit, though, even like okay. by the standards of a lot of people that worked on this. So, um, which brings us to the final checker, and I and I, I have a tough time that find the credit is final checker slash chief animator. Mm-hmm. which um, I have a hard time distinguishing that between the animation director, which Ryan spoke on a little bit earlier, uh, or on a, maybe it was even... Uh, no, it was oh, that was earlier one. this episode. Yep. Okay. Um, but at any rate, um, I, I think they're basically a, equivalent um, in that uh, basically they have overall responsibility for the quality of the product of the animation and delivering a solid performance of the animation team or from the animation team as a whole, making sure that everybody stays on task to the storyboard, character design, background, motion cleanup, all those aspects need to be high quality. And following that is the assistant checkers. And I look at them as as kind of animation supervisors who, (laughs) I forgot about that. I just, I'm sorry. Wow, Ninja Turtles, uh, the 1990 live action movie. Was it 1990? Anyway. Um, but the assistant checkers, I look at them as supervisors. They kind of support the same goals as the chief animator, but are divided among different teams working on different parts of the movie. Um, the key animators, that's really a senior level position in the animation world. They're still involved in the creative end, but they generally require, they're more management, but they do ultimately set up what you might call the key frames of animation, which tends to be extremities. Uh, you know, if you're going to animate a punch, you might have the first part of the punch and the last part and the last part of the punch would be responsible for that. And Hmm. it's going to be a different set of animators that will fill in the gaps. Interesting. So they're, 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 you know, senior level animators that they get the look that the, basically they know they can plot out what that'll look like and they'll, they'll check on the in-betweeners, but more to come on that. Oh, Okay. Stay tuned in the next for episode. anyone who does not find this completely mind-numbing. <laughs> hey, what are you talking about? We're doing a great job. People are loving this. Well, I was going to say, uh, speak for yourself, buddy. The, the, the Twitter, the Twitter, the Twitter uh, comments are in, and they love it. Uh-huh. Uh, so at any rate, uh, next time on the Autopod Decepticast. So uh, it's going to be more about the people who make the movie look so damn good. We've got the in-betweeners, the background people, the camera folk, the inkers, the painters. The the candlestick makers. (laughs) (laughs) So first of all, thank you, Mike, uh, Mike Seibert of Mike Seibert Radio for being on the show. and uh, Much better, more professional podcast. (laughs) Thanks for being on this program and helping us sort out uh, some of the uh, more technical functions. And thank you for being with us right now as we speak in TFCon Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I, I do uh, appreciate the the podcast time warp that we're currently in. I I feel like I'm like stuck in the Nexus or something like that, and I'm you know going to hang out with uh with uh Captain Kirk being a, a busy generation reti- exactly. <laughs> See, it's no Transformers the movie. Just saying. <laughs> well, we'll we're we're all in real life together. IRL right, right now. <laughs> and. At any rate, to close this one out, listen to the show, listen to our show, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and tune in. Follow us on our social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all of them at a Mikey, 
where can people uh, hang out with you? And may I call you Mikey? <laughs> well, I, Mike is fine. <laughs> but no, it, it's actually it, it's funny. I uh, um, I at my previous work, I I used to uh, uh, do inventory for a living. I was a I was a manager there for a longest time, and that was kind of my thing because we had like five different mics that that worked in our district so to kind of distinguish myself i i kind of spent the majority of my 20s being mikey so um so so i've I, i've i've learned to deal with that but no it's it's fine it's all good um anyway you can learn to deal mess, with it mess, message received <laughs> well, it, chucker, eh? well you know it's, it's it's one of those things you know it's like if people have like a you know shortened version of their name it's like well hey do you do you prefer you know michael or you know this or i'm like mike is fine you know so that, that's always <laughs> yeah. that's always kind of my my uh, uh default answer but yeah if you want to check out mike cyber radio you can follow me on twitter and instagram and facebook all at mike cyber radio i am not the mars rover guy uh, that's a different mike cyber uh but uh you can uh follow the podcast on um uh, soundcloud google play the stitcher radio app and on apple podcasts and itunes and just like pretty much the same place the these, uh, these folks are and uh, and yeah that's that's all I got absolutely go all check right. it out it's great all right well I think that'll do it thanks everybody well get, can't wait to talk to you from TFCon oh in that elevator <laughs> all right bye okay bye bye bye, bye. Oh man, Caleb! I listened to that DJ um, Wally West thing. Oh, I'm glad you liked that. That, that was, was awesome. awesome. I love. Of course, it. see, I knew that you would like it because it's music that's tied specifically to a, a like something on film. Yeah, it was a little long. Uh, I felt it was probably a minute and a half too long. Oh yeah, but I, I agree. I liked. I was like, I think oh, you... that sound wave solo was pretty great. <laughs> I like how. That Soundwave solo didn't really need to exist. It was just sort yeah. of a, a extra. Th- like that was the, I guess, the one original lyricist type stuff that. Was I feel like, um, yeah, like maybe Soundwave is his favorite. Yeah. Blow cells, blow cells, where we sell good. Mm-hmm.